Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Pastors will be held accountable for the churches that God has entrusted to them and the sheep that he brings into their care. That's a serious thing to know one day I will stand before the Lord Jesus. And if it's one thing like I have a wife, he's going to say, hey, I gave you a beautiful wife. How'd, you, how'd that go? How'd you take care of her? Oh, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, you gave me four kids. Four kids. I let you be in charge of that church there in Galveston. It's not really your church, it's my church, but you got to be the pastor of it. How'd you do with my kids, my sheep? In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that all Christians have responsibilities. For some, their responsibilities are as pastors, tending to the sheep, so to speak. For some, their responsibility is to be a good spouse or a good parent or even just a good friend. No matter what your personal responsibility is, the best way to live it out is through the Holy Spirit. On your own, you simply don't have the ability to live out your full responsibilities. God will equip you for His calling on your life. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Don't mind, turn to 2 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter 4. And we're going to close out this book. Uh, we've just been walking through this thing, and um, just kind of bookending one, in one sense. We, we taught through 1 Timothy before, and, and we wanted to just to kind of put a little closure on this, at least this personal letter from Paul to Timothy. So we're finishing this, and then uh, where we go from here, um, we, we're going to go through the book of Jonah. Um, that's going to be a four-week study. Uh, we'll, we'll get to cruise through that book and lots of good stuff. So you can start reading ahead if you want to. And then once Jonah's done, um, the, we're going into the book of Acts. And actually, as I've been studying in that, because I try to study as far in advance as I can, um, we're probably going to do Acts a little differently than maybe what you're used to. Um, I don't know. So we will actually probably teach through most of the New Testament as we teach through the book of Acts. Okay? So... If you're like me, I'm a chronological kind of guy. Um, when we come to the part where Paul's in Philippi and all that stuff, we're probably going to teach you Philippians. Um, so that's just, I think that's how we're going to do it this time. Um, that's my tentative plan, unless the Lord changes things. Uh, I just thought it'd be really cool to teach through that book chronologically. And you get most of the New Testament done as you're going through the book of Acts. And it helps us to put the pieces in place. We're like, oh, so when this was going on, this... This is what, you know, this is who Paul is writing to. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But um, we'll finish 2 Timothy today. We'll go through Jonah. And uh, that's going to be a fun book. If you've never read that story, that's incredible. Um, and then we'll, we'll start our journey through the book of Acts. Okay? So for 2 Timothy, I don't even know where I'm at. 2 Timothy, there we go. Um, chapter 4. Uh, it says, verse 1, I charge you, this is Paul to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will, uh, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, 
because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. All right, so in case you don't know, Paul is in a dungeon. He's in prison as he's writing this letter, and these are his last words. These are his last words. This is it. He's um, you know, time frame wise, uh, he, he basically he he's on death row, um, and, and not too long after this letter has been penned, uh, his head will be removed from his body. Okay, um, so these are, and he knows it. He knows that time's coming, right? So that when you know your time is coming to an end, you you tend to get a little serious, right? Like we you know we live life, we enjoy life, you you have fun. Um, but for Paul, a, a, a diagnosis was given to him. It was a death sentence, a literal death sentence. He was imprisoned, and, and we'll see a little bit of that as he closes out this letter. But um, he knew that this was going to be the end for, this was going to be the end for him. So in those last days, whatever you have to communicate, it's going to be very purposeful. It's going to be very pointed um, because you don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to mess around. doesn't mean you can't have a sense of humor. You can have that. You maintain that. You need that. God has given humor to us uh, to help us through difficult times. I'm sure Paul in that dungeon cell at times was cracking jokes. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. But when you sit down, pen and paper, and you got something that you desperately want to communicate to somebody that you love and you care about, and you're passing the baton on to them, it's time to get down to business. It's time to get down to business, and, and I, I got to tell you what it's going to be like, and, and praise God for heads up. That's what Paul is giving to Timothy. I have this app on my phone. Um, it's a weather app. Uh, it's really good, um, except I'll see dark clouds rolling in, and I'll hear the thunder, and I work outside a lot, and so I'm thinking like, I think it's going to start raining, and I'll look at my app just to see. I'll check the radar. I'm like, it'll tell me, Right. And it, no, nothing. It's okay, is what it tells me. It's okay. No worries. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then it starts raining on me. And I'm looking at my app and I'm like, hey, do you see this? Do you feel this? And then five or 10 minutes later, it's like rain starting in Galveston. I'm like, and I'm already soaking wet. And I'm like, thank you for that. Thank you for that. See, the, th- the point of the app is to give you the heads up. The point of the app is to tell you what's coming. Like, hey, just be aware. It's going to start raining on you, where you are. And it's so precise. It can tell me what street I'm on, wherever I'm at. Kind of scary, but it's supposed to be beneficial. It does me no good if it's late. It does me no good if, it's, if I'm already soaking wet, right? It's like, oh, well, thanks. I guess I'll go inside now. But um, hopefully I have the presence of mind to go inside when it starts raining anyways. But this, this last chapter specifically is Paul's heads up for Timothy, Paul already sees what's coming. The storm clouds are rolling in, right? Concerning the church culture, the church world, Paul sees the storm clouds are rolling in. And he sees that, he's aware of that. And so he knows in his last days, I have to communicate this to Timothy. He needs to know what's coming. He has to know what's coming. And not just for his sake, but for the whole church. And so that's where he he picks up in chapter four, verse one, he says, I charge you. And that's not just like, hey, Timothy, you might want to start doing this. Hey, Timothy, I don't know. If you feel like it, 
That's not it at all. You can tell within the tone of the letter that Paul is like, hey, you better listen. You better listen to this. If you're going to be a pastor, and that's what Timothy was, he was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. I mean, that's, Paul handed it off to him, but he, now it was like, okay, I need you to focus, and I need you to listen to me, because there's storm clouds that are rolling in, and you better be aware of these things. That's what he's saying. I charge you. I command you. I beseech you. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when you know it's serious. That's like your parents using all of your names when they're trying to get your attention, okay, right? Like first, middle, last, however many you have. This is Paul saying, listen, I am charging you. I am beseeching you in the presence of God and Jesus. That's how serious it is. When the Apostle Paul is calling into witness God the Father and Jesus Christ, he's, he's, he's doing business. I mean, he, he means business. He's like, listen, you have to get this. And I think we as a church today have to get this. Because this wasn't just for like 2,000 years ago. Like it applied to them. It doesn't apply to us today. You would be crazy if you don't see how this applies to us today. You're missing something. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So that's a nice little heads up for Timothy, too. He's like, listen, buddy, um, you need to pay attention to this because you will be held accountable for what you hear and for how you function and how you fulfill your role in ministry. You will be held accountable for this. This is serious business. This is serious business. This is why pastors should take their job seriously. And if a pastor doesn't know this, I'm fully aware of this, uh, probably not to the degree that I shouldn't be aware of it, but as I grow closer to the Lord, pastors will be held accountable for the churches that God has entrusted to them and the sheep that he brings into their care. That's a serious thing to know one day I will stand before the Lord Jesus. And if it's one thing like I have a wife, he's going to say, hey, I gave you a beautiful wife. How'd you How'd that go? How'd you take care of her? <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, you got me four kids. Four kids. I let you be in charge of that church there in Galveston. It's not really your church, it's my church, but you got to be the pastor of it. How'd you do with my kids, my sheep? These are very serious things. And that's why, I mean, you're, the hope and prayer is that any pastor would take very seriously the calling that has been placed upon their lives. And that's really what Paul is bringing into life. He's like, listen, um, you need to be aware that this is how, this is just how it is. And, and everybody will be held accountable. There will be a reckoning. There will be a reckoning. And not just for pastors. I mean, justice will be done for all. And if you're upset about injustice in this world, hey, so is God. And justice will be served. Justice will be served. So time's not, it's, it had, this part hasn't, his appearing hasn't happened yet. So we're, we're waiting for that. We're praying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, right? But here's where he gets into it. I mean, this is, and, and the tone is heavy, and I'm trying to communicate it till you get that how heavy this is, because the next part, the next command is why we do what we do. Paul simply tells them, preach the word. Preach the word. I'm calling you, so to speak, I'm calling you out, Timothy, not because he wasn't doing it, but he's calling him out in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, and with the severity of the calling, and he says, I have one thing you need to do. 
you need to teach the Bible. You need to teach the Bible. To, that should be like a no-brainer, right? You should, I would hope, I haven't gone to many churches in my life. I hope you know that. I have not been to many churches in my life. I went to like one, I think, as a little kid, maybe visited a couple of them. But I was only ever part of like one church. And that was when I was a senior in high school. So, I mean, one church that like, I'm, I'm here. And that was the church I just taught at in Amarillo. And that was like 20-something years ago. So, I don't know a lot about churches. I don't. I went to Bible college. I graduated from Bible college. I didn't graduate. I didn't go to Bible college to be a pastor. I didn't. That wasn't my plan. My plan was business because I can make a lot of money in business. And I know how to do, like, that's good. Like, all since high school. I mean, that was my plan. My brother got that. He got that calling. I did not. So praise God for that. But um, I, I don't have a lot of church experience. I just don't. Even in the 15, well, almost 20 years of going to the one church, um, I visited a couple of Calvary chapels. I've been to other Calvary chapels. I show up, they teach the word. I've been to some other churches, and it's like, I don't even care if it's topical. They're still teaching the word. Unfortunately, there's this growing thing, as we're going to see here, where sometimes the word's not even taught. And that, to me, that just like blows my mind. Because what I would expect if I walked into any church is to be taught the word, simply because of this verse. And Paul tells Timothy, he's like, listen, you preach the word. Preach the word. Nobody cares about your opinions. Nobody cares about whatever kick you're on this week. Nobody cares. That doesn't do anything for you or for me. It doesn't solve any of my problems. It doesn't. It might help me a little bit here and a little bit there. No, what I need is this book taught to me, clearly, communicated to me. Because my life issues, the things that I wrestle with, the things that I face, and the things that I'm going through, there's one book, there's one message that can speak to my heart in the midst of those storms. And it's this book. It's this book. So just so we're clear on this too, and again, I mentioned this, I got friends who are pastors and they teach topically. I don't, that's fine. I don't care. Go for it. And they do a beautiful job. They do a beautiful job of like communicating, preaching the word of God in a topical type format. That's fine. And I know guys who are verse by verse, line by line and all that stuff, and they can do a fantastic job that way as well. To me, it doesn't matter if it's topical or verse by verse, preach the word. Preach the word, like make whatever this thing is about, about Jesus and his word. And that's kind of what Paul is communicating to Timothy because of the culture that was surrounding them. It was very, it was becoming more and more unpopular to preach the word. Maybe some of the churches in their surrounding cities, maybe the attendance was declining for the you know, the ones who are teaching the word, and maybe it was increasing for ones that were a little bit more show and dance kind of a deal, right? Like the performance stuff. I don't know. But whatever's happening today was happening back then, just so you're aware. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. But Paul is saying, listen, on my deathbed, I am telling you, preach the word. Just give them the word. That's what you got to do. Just give them the Bible. That's it. It's not complicated. It's a great book. We'll never understand this thing totally. 
but we should have a really good time being, and as we'll see in a second, all these things, maybe convinced, rebuked, exhorted, all, and even from chapter three, where he talks about all scripture is, is breathed by God, is been given by God. Uh, and it's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Like, the Bible's good. The Bible's really good. And it does a good job on its own. It's really good. And you don't even need me to enjoy this thing. That's what's so amazing about it. Like, you can go home and you can open up the Word and you can enjoy the Word of God. It's that good. And so Paul is just communicating to Timothy. He's like, listen, just preach the Word, preach the Word. And he goes, he goes on to say, you need to be ready in season, out of season. He just says, on any situation, any, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you should be ready to preach. Preach the Word. You should always have a message. Always have a message in your heart. That doesn't just apply to me because I, I, when I read this, I am taking this because I am a pastor. Uh, I am taking this and applying all of this to myself, but I also know that that can apply to all of us. What message do you have stored up in your heart that you're ready to share in an instant? It should be your testimony. That's a good place to start. Like, what's your story? How did you meet Jesus? What was that all like? And maybe you have scripture that you've memorized and maybe the Holy Spirit brings to your memory a, a verse and you're like, man, I, can I just share this verse with you? I don't know why, but I feel like I need to tell you, I need to tell you this. Sometimes that's the Lord saying, hey, ready in season, out of season. Just be ready to share the word. You never know. You never know. All, all believers, I believe, should be ready, just ready, in season, out of season, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. You should just be ready to share the word with someone. You can't share it if you're not in it, right? It's simple. You can't share what you don't have. You can't share what you don't, with, you know, what you don't have. And, and again, that would be why just, just again, you know what, whatever it looks like for you, maybe it's a verse, maybe it's a couple of passages of scripture, maybe you're knocking out chapters a day, um, get into this word because of delight, because you, because you love the Lord, you want to grow closer to the Lord, you want to store up in your heart his word. Um, and like I said, I, you know, do a character study, do... Just get the word in you because you can't share what you don't have. So you got to store it up inside of you. And, and man, I, if, you, if you deal with anxiety or stress, that's me, um, any of that stuff, the best remedy is the word of God. I actually was listening to a podcast of a lady who's not a believer. She's a scientist and she's done studies on this. And she says, you know what we find is that people who deal with stress too much, or anxiety, if they could just focus their mind on something else that's healthy and beneficial, then it'll strengthen your brain, actually, and it'll cause all that to lessen. She's like, it's almost as if you were like to read something and memorize something. I'm like, you're talking about the Bible. If you would just get this thing and meditate on it, that's why the Bible talks about it so much. You meditate on his word so much, it actually, physically, it strengthens your brain. So when those stressors come in, you can handle them better. It's brilliant. God is brilliant. He's amazing. 
He's totally amazing. Here we are, a society that is dying from anxiety and stress. And there's a remedy right here. Just saying, you know what? If you just enjoy the word, study it, meditate on it, you will do yourselves wonders. Be ready in season, out of season. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, this is when you preach the word, your goals should be to convince. You need to convince people like, yeah, Jesus. You want Jesus. You need Jesus. You know what? This might be a little offensive, but you're a sinner. Sorry to say it, but you're a sinner. This is the world we live. You're a sinner. But the good news is there's a Savior for the sins. His name is Jesus. It's, it's, it's just like that. You can, in convincing people, like, listen, you're messed up. I'm messed up too. Praise God that he was willing to come to this earth and to die for us and to save us. That's good news. That's great news. Rebuke. This is one that doesn't go over so well, especially in our society. You can't say anything anymore in our world. You can't say anything anymore. This is being recorded live on you know, Facebook and all that stuff. And I don't, and even pastors will get to the point where they won't say certain things because of the fear. Because of fear. You can't, don't call people sinners. That was, a, that was a growing thing. About 10 years ago is kind of when this really started to take, take traction. Don't call people sinners. It makes them feel bad. What? Seriously? Don't sing worship songs about the blood of Jesus. Makes them feel bad. I'm like, what? Seriously? Yeah. No more songs about the cross. People feel guilty. I'm like, well, they should. I I put them there. It was my sins that put them on that cross. Yeah, I don't feel guilty anymore because he's, I'm, he's my savior. I've received his free gift of salvation. And there's no, you know, there's no more condemnation in Christ, like for those who are in Christ Jesus. But our, in the church world, this is what's been going on for the past 10 years or so. It's probably been going on longer than that. But it really started kind of creeping up into our church in Amarillo, the Bible Belt of America. We have people coming in saying, hey, your, your songs are really offensive. About Jesus? Yeah. Makes me feel bad. I wish you wouldn't sing those songs anymore. Ah, I think we're going to sing more of those songs. I think we're going to sing more of those songs. You know what? I think I'm just going to, I think we won't shy about calling sin, sin. What are we doing? It's the issue. It's the sickness. And there's a remedy, and it's Jesus and his blood. What's, What's the problem? Well, the problem is what Paul is going to address here. So you got to be able to rebuke. There, there has to be a rebuking. If you're doing something you shouldn't do, then stop doing it. If it's sin, stop. Stop. Get some help within the body of Christ. Find some accountability. That's the only way you're ever going to make it. Find some accountability. But if, it, if it's contrary to what the Word of God has to say, then you have to stop doing it. That's how this thing works. We don't, we don't get to set the standard. Humanity does not set the standard. God has set the standard for holiness. He's God Almighty. He sets the bar. We do not set the bar. And praise God, we don't even have to really live up to the bar. We just have to say, Jesus, I can't hit that mark. You're going to you're gonna have to save me. You're going to have to do this in me. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. 
And that's when he says, I know. That's why I died, so that you could have my righteousness. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that it's an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to give a sort of closing argument, solidifying who he is in Christ and what he was willing to sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. In chapter 4, Paul states, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many people can say that, that they've lived well and haven't fallen away from God even in times of adversity? This is an incredible statement that Paul speaks. May you strive today and every day to be able to say the same, that you've fought the fight, that you've finished the race, and most importantly, that you've kept the faith. We're so glad that you tuned in to study the Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to be that for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer, too. That's all the time that we have for today, but we encourage you to keep on reading on your own. There's more to learn from the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor James wants to share these things with you right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love.